cheese, and we get really high. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Weed of Time podcast, where we frequently blaze, we wish the Wheel of Time had more canon gaze, and we've got hot dogs for days! I am the Shameful Charvalon, <laughs> and I am here with my co-host Dang and Nosebone. We are here to make even more literary comparisons between the Wheel of Time and other fantasy series. Recounting Star Wars is fine. Shaitan's <laughs> lettuce and munchies. Dang, what do we smoke? Well, we've been smoking uh, Redican Wapa, which is an indica dominant hybrid. We've been smoking since like 1 p.m. It's been <laughs> fucking blessed. It's Great fun. day. It's six now. Um, so we've smoked, like, bulls beyond count. Not, like, the whole time straight. <laughs> no. <laughs> Much as I could, though. Um, and then, munchies, we've got we've got a pretty lit thing going on here. <laughs> so I'd like to talk us all through it from the yep. beginning. Mm-hmm. If you follow us on Twitter, you know that a while back I, uh, I retweeted some shit about hot dogs. And this is uh, where this started, okay? I was really high one night and I was hungry. And Rat Sandwich on Twitter tweeted a master post of how hot dogs are made around the world with pictures. And I got really fucking hungry. And I decided that what we were going to do for episode snacks for a while was try different hot dogs from different places. And the most logical way to do this to me was go through and find which ones had mutual Overlapping ingredients. weird ingredients. Yeah, so I could minimize how many times I had to buy that shit. Mm-hmm. And so, economically. So today, we are having four different types of hot dogs from around the world. You <laughs> realize that this is too many. Y'all have realized. I'm excited. <laughs> we, we, have, uh, we have four different types of hot dog today, all featuring sauerkraut. Uh, basically, just salted cabbage. Which is better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Neither Dane nor I had ever had sauerkraut before. So, today's dogs, we have a Kansas City hot dog, which is one of the first ones we're going to talk about. What's up? Petition to change it to dogs of the day. Dogs of the day. Yes. Uh, Changing it in the the notes. I contributed. Uh, First up, we've got Kansas City hot dogs, which are described as a hot dog in a sesame seed bun with sauerkraut and melted Swiss cheese. We've also got a Chilean hot dog, which is a hot dog in a bun with chopped tomatoes, sauerkraut, mashed avocado, and mayo. They look divine. I didn't mash the avocado. And finally, or sorry, not finally. Next, we have New York hot dogs, which is a hot dog in a bun with mustard, sauerkraut, and onion sauce, which... Shame. The onion sauce was made by Shame. She did a very good job. Made the house smell delicious for a long time. Mm-hmm. And finally, we have German hot dogs, which are a frankfurter with sauerkraut, potato salad, and mustard. No bun. I need you to know that for the German hot dog, I put hot dog in quotation marks. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Nous avons de bouffe. <laughs> I think we've all been picking away at the potato salad that... Um, no, no spo made, made, which is delicious. Thank you. It's always nice when you catch yourself you, when you're about to say the yeah. wrong name. Right? You can put um, mustard on it too if you want. You don't have to. Mm. I probably will at some point. But I'm liking to use the mustard for the frankfurter, if you will. A.K.A. hot dog. Now, overall, this is, I think it's kind of different. But I don't mind it. I don't know, I haven't really eaten it. I thought we were starting with Kansas City. I was lied to. Oh shit, <laughs> fuck we were. Oh no, I haven't taken a bite yet. <laughs> oh 
right, let's start with Kansas City. Let's grab our sauerkraut and melted Swiss hot dogs. <laughs> Moment to place. Disengage. <laughs> We're good. What's up? I'm going to cut the chewing noises. <laughs> That's very good of you to our listeners. But what does everybody think of the Kansas City hot dog? I think the cheese balances out the sauerkraut pretty well. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of rich flavors, but nothing too overpowering. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'd eat that. Yeah, like a creamy hot dog is not something I ever thought would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I like it. Mm-hmm. So now, I think people are going to get into our German hot dog. <laughs> trying so hard not to scrape accidentally. Alright. It's a hot dog with mustard. Hot dog with mustard. Put a little sauerkraut on top. And, and, like oh. an absolute god, I'm going to stack potato <laughs> salad on top of that. The absolute mad lady. What? Look at this. The ultimate bite. The ultimate bite. Watch us over here construct the ultimate bite. Same. (laughs) Ultimate bite, not bad. Mm -hmm. Nice variety. This is how they would serve hot dogs in a really fancy restaurant. Mm Mm-hmm. Deconstructed. Yeah. So the key with the um the the ultimate bite is you gotta like stab your fork into your hot dog and then cut it pretty close to your knife. But have the so that when you're holding it, essentially there's a ton of space on the back end of your fork. And then you pile the sauerkraut on top of there in a little layer. And if necessary, you can go back onto your fork. Potato salad on top of the fork and sauerkraut. Ultimate bite. Oh, I'm so sorry. But you know what? I think if you're willing to shell out for a slightly better sausage than I was, mm-hmm. this would be a kind of cool thing to do at like a a dinner party in the summer. Yeah. That was just a little different, a little fancier. Yeah. Take it up a notch. Oh yeah, seems good. Do um, we want to try the other ones now or do we want to save those until we finish these ones? I think we should try them all. Okay. And then we won't have to talk about it again. Yeah. There there will be Wheel of Time content, promise. <laughs> this is just going to be a big fun episode. You can go ahead and take that one. It's man. a very stonery cool. episode where we're just trying hot dogs. So this Chilean hot dog's a little overbalanced, I think. It's kind of hard to get everything in there on every bite. You gotta spread out. The, the mayo should have gone on sooner, I think. Yeah, I think it should have. Should have gone I, on the bun. I, I should only have waited till the end if I had a squeeze bottle. Yeah. Yeah, but that's okay. Live and learn. This is our Chilean hot dog with mayo, avocado, tomato, sauerkraut. Mmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's got avocado. It's got tomato. It's got mayonnaise. All three of those things go in my guacamole. I thought I would like this hot dog. And I like this hot dog. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The taco hot dog mix is friggin' good. Mm-hmm. I wish I had mashed the avocado, though. Yes. That would have been good of me to mm. have read 
Or if I had made guacamole. Mm. If we had guacamole, I probably wouldn't bother putting any mayo on. That's legit. Alright. No spill. Mm-hmm. Any overwhelming thoughts on the Chilean hot dog? I quite like it. I, I think it's my favorite of the three. Now, I agree so far. For those of you who are old like me, you remember that once upon a time, <laughs> Spider-Man was not a twink. In fact, he was played by Tobey Maguire, and he went up against Willem Dafoe. I'd like to remind everybody that we're teachers, so we spend most of our time interacting with people that are younger than us. We do realize that we are quite young for the community, and that a lot of you are older than us. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But in the second Teaching Toby... his age just horribly. <laughs> in the second Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, there's a moment where he has a montage of his life going really well to the song Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. And he eats a hot dog in New York, and it looks fucking delicious. And I've always wanted that hot dog. And today I'm finally getting that chance. We're trying we, New York hot dogs. We got sauerkraut, onion sauce, and mustard. Indeed, it looks delicious. I'm so excited. Let's get into it. It's a messy hot dog. Mm-hmm. I see why in the movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. they always get like a huge napkin and some tin foil. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes some parchment paper too. It's a messy hot dog. It's good though. Mm-hmm. The onion sauce is surprisingly sweet and it's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's got a quarter cup of ketchup in it. <laughs> um. But yeah, them's the dogs. The dogs of the day. And they have been delicious, and we're going to keep eating them as we go. But now we could probably tease you with just a little bit of Wheel of Time content as a treat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, we were sitting around in the garage, and I turned to Dang and Nosebo, and I said, Does anybody have any ideas for a big episode tonight? Or do we want to pull prompts? Because we are getting very low on prompts. Later tonight, I'm going to pull out all of the Knife a Dream prompts from the other basket and show Nosebo how many prompts will be added to the other basket when she finishes reading it? She's working so out. Mm-hmm. She's getting there. She's getting there. Um, but, but yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but now, what was the idea? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> sorry, <I> got distracted. <laughs> um, so the idea that was suggested is one that we've talked about doing before. Sorry. And we were going to wait until. Um, the end of the series for this one, but we decided we can split it up. We'll probably have a lot to say on the topic. And it is Patton Fane uh, in comparison to Smeagol and Gollum from Lord of the Rings. Literary comparison. Yeah. Up to and including parts of Knife of Dreams. I don't remember if he shows up later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like later in the book. Mm. Later in this book, I'm not sure. So I'm very bad at telling the difference for what happens in which book. It gets all blurry for me. I'm going to make the argument that uh, Padden Fane more or less is Gollum. He's just been transplanted into the Westlands. Mm-hmm. Um, purely based on the what their character's function is. Mm-hmm. Right? Padden Fane shows up very early in the Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. And he is initially seen as a very exciting good thing, right? 
Yay, the peddlers come to town. This is part of the holiday traditions and, you know, people get excited that he's there. Nobody ever thought that about Gollum. But not necessarily, because if you remember, he starts out as a hobbit. And we really like hobbits. That's fair. Okay. You mean like in the the cutscene? Okay. In the cutscene and also just in the, the lore books. that's outside of the books, you know? Yeah. Where he was, for all accounts, just kind of a simple-minded sort of nice hobbit. Mm-hmm. But got corrupted by the ring. And canonically eats babies. <laughs> and now canonically eats babies. Um, and so... Just need everybody to know that. To me, they both show up in the Shire, Pad and Fane, and Smeagol. Mm-hmm. Right? But Smeagol more so by proxy in the form of hobbits. Mm. We're just... We want to like them. Mm-hmm. We want to like the peddler. We do. But as Gandalf comes and takes people away from the Shire to go on some grand adventure, mm-hmm. except his little blue lady Gandalf taking people out of the two rivers, yeah. Pad and Fane is following them, mm-hmm. hunting them. He wants Frodo. I mean Rand, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he's a pretty scary figure for a lot of that initial mm-hmm. book, few books, right? And you get more of that in the books for Lord of the Rings than you do in... Uh, the movies. In the movies. In the movies, he's downplayed a lot. But he is following them for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And some creepy shit happens as part of him following them. Mm-hmm. He is once, like, at a base of a tree that they are sleeping in, trying to get at them. In Lothlorien, of all places. He's yes. hunting them to the tops of the trees in Lothlorien. Not only that, um, Legolas, when he comes to Rivendell, informs Gandalf... That Smeagol has, or sorry, Gollum has escaped the Mirkwood dungeons. Yeah. And you're hearing all of these stories of like babies going missing at night, mm-hmm. birds not singing in the trees anymore because he's stalking the, the, the wooded kingdom, you know? Ooh. And Ooh. so to me. Nosebo hasn't read Lord of the Rings. So that some of this is new information to her. But there's Padden Fane, who's out there, you know, killing and pinning up Myrdral mm-hmm. and stuff, pursuing. Our fellowship for a lot of that early stuff, and then ducks out for a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And this is where they diverge, I would argue. Yeah, turns into something else. Yeah, um, but we have Pad and Fane in um, Shadar Logoth. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, the main moment we see him become corrupted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The implication is it has happened before, but mm. he was corrupted by Sauron's <laughs> evil, Shaitan's evil. What's up? Go ahead. Please take it off. I remembered a whole bunch of shit. I remembered a whole bunch of shit. Please, please. Okay. So the allegories between Pat and Fane and Smeagol start way before they come to the two rivers. Because we know in Smeagol's canonic history that he was brought to Mordor because they were trying to find out where the ring was. He was brought there and tortured. You remember him screaming in the movie. He screamed Shire and he screamed Baggins. And then in the worst mood move ever in recorded history, Sauron just let Smeagol go. Without getting any more fucking details. <laughs> Such as, where is the Shire? So Sauron, in what looks like a really, really dumb move from a managerial standpoint, sends the, the Nazgul out. Mm-hmm. Go find the Shire. They had like, oh, no yes, idea where it was. to talk to us. And the Shire <laughs> didn't exist when the last of the Ringwraiths fell. Yeah. 
right? So mm-hmm. they're just going out around this river, kind of looking around. Shy. Where have you what's ever a heard shy? Of a place? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sauron, not smart villain. Yeah, but anyway, John, sorry. A lot of rookie mistakes. Back so. To- Allegory to Pat and Fane. Pat and Fane was brought by the Dark One to Shiel Ghoul and was corrupted so that he could become a tool to find Rand. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just kept narrowing it down, narrowing it down, etc., etc. But that's very similar to how Smeagol was brought to Mordor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. The main difference being Shaitan's a pretty functional villain. Yes. <laughs> Sauron is not. No. Mm-hmm. And so. He dumb. While Shaitan takes um, Pad and Fane and makes him into a tool for finding Frodo, I mean Rand, <laughs> we have Sauron's just like, oh yeah, Shire Baggins, good enough. You can leave now, corrupted creature. I just tortured relentlessly for information <laughs> how could this ever backfire <laughs> there's no possible way Although, inconceivable <laughs> i think shaitan is also is included on the list of villains that probably would have had greater successes had they treated their like hench people nicely mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah Now. Alright. Sorry, do you have another thing? Or? No, that that was a big thing that I remember thinking about earlier today. That's fair. And then I remembered it. And I was like, oh, I need to share this. <laughs> now. <coughs> Excuse me. Pad and Fane and Smeagol obviously get used very differently as the yeah. series mm-hmm. progress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Smeagol probably a little more artfully, mm-hmm. I would argue. Because Pad and Fane just disappears whenever he's... Patton Fane is the card in Robert Jordan's back pocket. Whenever he writes himself into a thing and he needs something to happen, he needs something dramatic, he's like, Patton Fane comes back. He's they like, find Patton Fane. He's sitting there like, wow, it's been 1,500 pages of <laughs> women folding the, their arms under their breasts yeah. <laughs> in colorful dresses. Whatever could I bring to this story that would take it somewhere else? I'd also I know. Murder Smeagol. Huh? Yeah. I'd also argue that Pat Fade is a much more functional villain than Smeagol slash Gollum, but mm. I'd argue that that's because Smeagol slash Gollum isn't necessarily a villain. Mm. Mm. That's fair. Here, here. <laughs> the takes are spicy. Um, Check out our Lord of the Ring episodes on our Patreon. Smeagol ends up getting, you know, attached to the main characters, right? Mm-hmm. As if, like, in a way that really Mogedian kind of does for Nynaeve. It was like if, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was going to say, it would be like if Pad and Fane had to take Rand to the last battle or something. Mm. Maybe a little like Asmodian was. Ooh, maybe. After Ruidian, right? It's like, here's a bad guy, but he's under control, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to use what he knows. Yeah. Man, the Smeagols in this in this <laughs> series just keep multiplying, don't they? Um, but Smeagol gets attached to the main it's character. because there are many faces of Smeagol slash Gollum. And some of the characters that Robert Jordan writes are a little one-dimensional. Really? 
No! Never! Which ones? <laughs> Any Aes Sedai with less than 14 spoken lines. <laughs> yep. In the whole series. Yep. All of those ones that you just get the names for, and sometimes they pass along a message. Oh my god. And also Pat and Fane. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Smeagol gets attached to our main characters, and all of their decisions and all of the things they're able to achieve end up happening because of Smeagol, right? Mm-hmm. He leads them through Emin Muil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He leads them through the Dead Marshes, mm-hmm. right to the Black Gate, and when they determine that that's no good, he leads them right through Athelion, up through the secret back passageway, safely past Minas Morgul. Now, of course, he turns into a dick partway through. We're going <laughs> to ignore that. He more or less gets them... Years and years of trauma. He gets them all the way to Kittathungal, right? <laughs> Where they can... Go ahead. 500 years ago when I was born. Oh my god. That's Smeagol's song. (laughs) Is this the day we finally used the song? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Um, But he takes them functionally all the way from Boromir's death to Kirithungul. Yeah. Right? When Sam has his hero moment. Mm Mm-hmm. I would argue he's one of the main characters of Return of the King. Absolutely is. And, like, no argument here. And just a reminder for anybody who doesn't remember, the movies pace things out differently. Two rivers, you essentially just got, like, Aragorn, Legolas. Two towers. Oh, what did I say? Two Two rivers. rivers. (laughs) (laughs) You know where my chart truly lies. Um, But two towers is essentially, like, Legolas, Gimli, Aragorn, Merry Pippin. And then Return of the King was all Sam and Frodo, but that would be a horrible way to pace movies, so they changed it. Mm-hmm. It was actually two halves of two towers. Right. Yes. All right. So they, they integrated that. them instead. Yes. My bad. I knew My what B. you were about. We got a lot of food and we're really high. Lots That's of stuff to distract from the facts. <laughs> That's why there's three of us. And so when Frodo and Sam are in Kidith Ungle, they can see Mount Doom. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is walk there. Mm-hmm. He brought them through so much shit they couldn't have done on their own. Yep. And he was necessary to the plot. And then they get to Mount they Doom. They would have never done what they did without Smeagol. Exactly. They get to Mount Doom. He basically chases them up it and into it. And when Frodo can't destroy the ring, he's there to destroy see it. that it ends up getting destroyed anyway. Yep. Against his will, right? Mm-hmm. So he... he he, I would argue that Smeagol was used as an agent of good, even if he himself was not good. And I think Gandalf would argue about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He said, even the wisest cannot see all ends, and... But of course, like, he eats babies, so, like... He, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're not taking this too far, he, but... He's a bit of a Kylo Ren. You know what I mean? He gets his redemption arc in the last 15 minutes of the last movie, but... <laughs> But boom roasting. Um, but but so Pat and Fane gets a very different treatment from the main character treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Shame was saying this in the garage earlier, and mm. it's a very good way of putting it. After he's very important as a villain, a subvillain in the early mm-hmm. series, he just kind of gets written out and written back in when um, the plot needs to move, right? Mm-hmm. I said it today too. Oh yeah, you you did say it in the episode, didn't you? Yeah. Fuck. I kind of hate that about Pat and Fane. Yeah, he, he just shows up when... S- Shit's been boring for a while. And, like, go ahead, go ahead. I've 
in the early books, it's like, no, this is a really He was cool. a functional part of the plot. Yeah. He made sense. This is a really... And I think the big issue with... Sorry. No, you um, The big issue with where you are in Knife of Dreams is you have no idea what the fuck Padden Fane wants to do. What is he trying to do? What so it's very confusing are. whenever he shows up. Yeah. It's a little better on a reread. That's fair. It's just but like, not by much. At the beginning, he was such a cool, unique mm-hmm. character. Like, he's been stalking Rand yeah. all of his life. Like... This has been his life goal for mm-hmm. many, 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 many years. Yep. And then he just kind of disappears after he gets the dagger. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, he does mm-hmm. the white cloaks. He does. That's okay. right. I forgot about that. I would argue her. that's one of the last times he's relevant. He shows up for Elida and fucks her with her for a while. But nothing really... <laughs> fucks shit up for her for a while. <laughs> but I would argue nothing major comes of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even remember that until you mentioned it, mm. but, like, I know I have read that. That sounds memorable. <laughs> I have a headcanon. I will I will not be taking criticisms on it. <laughs> I will not be taking questions on it. I will not change my mind. My headcanon. Padden Fane and Elida. Smoosh smooshed. Mm-mm. She's a red. She would never. I think you're wrong. <laughs> also, you, Jiggly Caliente reference. <laughs> <laughs> It was a Snooky reference. Oh, right. I forgot that was Jiggly Caliente as Snooky. She did such a bad job. <laughs> I've been rewatching RuPaul. It's been good. And, it's ho- been and nice. bad. It's, it's, it's been it's, both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> both sums it up. Okay, and I've got another thing. Mm. So Rand gets stabbed, yeah? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And one of the ways in which Padden Fane has fucked shit up is by s- cutting him on his stab, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he almost died. But Dahmer Flynn has got it, so they're kind of like feeding off each other now. Mm-hmm. So he can kind of live with it, but it should kill him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So If not for magical intervention, he would be dead. I'm very confused... As to why moments like that happen for Pat and Fane. Hmm. In the specific way that they do. Like, for example, I get that Dahmer Flynn got them feeding off each other. Mm-hmm. But was it really entirely necessary for the wound to happen in the exact same place? Mm-hmm. That this seems, is unrealistic. It seems very specifically weird. Like, that man is six foot twelve. <laughs> how, the, how the fuck has this little gremlin of a demon man, Smeagol, come six, in seven. and manage to actually... Hit that one same place on this gigantic body. Yeah. The chances. Mm. Valid. And it's not like the first wound was even necessarily an evil wound, so it's not like, oh, he was drawn to the shadow in the wound or something. It was by Ishmael, so it always was pretty bad, I think. Oh, son of a bitch. I had it in my head it was um, the Sean Sean High Lord. Oh, oh no. Turok? No. No, no. no Turok Chief's didn't really get much on him. That's right. Rand sheaths the sword against Ishmael. Mm-hmm. There we go. I'm back in this. But in any case, in any case, Padden Fane didn't need to be so specifically weird in the specifically weird ways he was. I don't think it added all that much to the plot. Yeah. Sometimes. That's, that's legit. That's kind of how I felt when, I, when we saw him in Winter's Heart, I believe, in Fardala, when he's chasing after... Um, Osingar as Deshiva and a couple of other 
Ashaman who tried to kill him previously in the book that came before it. And he was just like, surprise, I'm here too. Like, why? Yeah. For what reason? For what purpose? And then just as quickly as he came, he went. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yep. Cool. <laughs> so I looked up how tall Rand was. And the answer I got was one span, one foot, seven inches. And I'm like, well, that's not helpful at all. <laughs> so I looked up how much our real time units of length. Uh, so one span is six feet. So this would imply that Rand is seven foot seven. <laughs> but one, oh no, one foot is ten inches. What the fuck? Why would you do that? That's so dumb. Robert Jordan, why? <laughs> Cursed. Like- Absolutely curious. Okay, so 10 times 7 is 70. Why did I have to fucking look that up? 77, yeah. How. So that's actually kind of a. That's 6 foot. um, 6 foot 5? I think, because 72 divided by 12 is 6. Yes. And then 5 left over. 77 total. Yes. I did math. It's fine. Randy ain't that tall. Yeah. He's uh, only an inch taller than you. Right? <laughs> now, shit, I had a thing. Oh, this is actually a big complaint I have about a lot of fantasy authors. Mm. I feel like I say that a lot. Yeah. But, like, you you have a lot of valid complaints. It's when they make unique measurements for their world, right? Mm-hmm. But some of them use the same names... Of real-world measurements. measurements of which they are not the same. <laughs> that's just intention. That, that, that's muddying the waters beyond necessity. necessity. Yeah. Like, that, Why would you do that to a human being? <laughs> you want people to like your books. Don't make them worse. God. It's only supposed to be unrealistic, not unreadable. <laughs> exactly. It, it's because it makes you less able to imagine accurately, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes your art harder to parse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a way I, I don't mean. think is intended. Speaking of unintentional things, Padden Fane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Any other ways in which he's like Smeagol? Um, he's creepy. <laughs> immensely creepy. So creepy. Oh. He talks weird. Yes, he does. Talks in the third person. He takes on different names over time. Yep. Yeah, he's got that duality of personality. Mm-hmm. He's got the associations associations with, like, mist mm-hmm. and, like, dimness and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I would say you think about Gollum in relation to caves and yep. dirtiness and mm-hmm. dank water and darkness. You know what I mean? Yeah. Matt so, is six feet tall, by the way, in our, our measurements. So, so overall, I, th- I think the two <laughs> characters come together with a uh, a similar aesthetic mm-hmm. in ways. Parent six foot one. Matt's the manlet of them. Damn. Yeah, Matt's the littlest one. Funny thing, I looked over at Shane's computer and saw Zareen, and I was like, "What the fuck? Who the fuck is Zareen?" I'm just like, "It's fail. It's <laughs> yep. just fail. I just haven't heard that name in forever." Zareen sounds like a pretentious name too. I believe she took that on. You know what I mean? Like, or I sorry, I believe she she tried to get away from it. That's what I'm trying to say. Because it sounds pretentious. I said it backwards. Yeah, that's fair. Um, because you would have also been like, "Yeet." Well, exactly. 
It's, it's like getting named Reginald or some shit. <laughs> You're like, no thanks, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. Don't, think, don't even think of calling me Reggie, man. Fuck you. So you're going by your middle name? Exactly, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I, I had a char- another character I wanted to bring into the comparison mm. because I think this character almost makes a Venn diagram out of Smeagol Gollum and yeah. Padden Fane. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who have read The Sword of Truth, you'll get this reference maybe a little more. From Terry Goodkind's Sword of Truth series, it's the character Samuel, who is a former holder of the Sword of Truth, um, which is an extremely powerful magical artifact that gives you immense power and authority. But he was not biologically capable of wielding it to its full potential, and so it corrupted him mm-hmm. and like destroyed him, but gave him very, very long life. Wow, does that sound like a ring anybody knows? Right? But it just decimates his mind. So he starts talking really strangely and in the third person and... It was blatant. And then the High Wizard and I think the Mother Confessor, you know, the magical authorities of the land. Zed and Kaelin? But I don't think it was them. I think it was Zed and someone else, maybe. Maybe. Maybe Kaelin's mother. Because it was a long time ago. Oh, yeah. They they realized that they fucked up in giving this powerful sword to Samuel. Mm. And they realized what happened, so they took it away. And all of a sudden, all of his life and energy and thought was bent on getting that sword back because it's my sword and they stole it from me and I'm going to hunt down whoever has it and kill them and take back my sword that they took from me. Wow. Okay, does that sound similar to anything to anybody? I didn't (laughs) didn't just describe Gollum, did I? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Terry Goodkind doesn't handle his more blatant Gollum as well as uh, Tolkien does, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. What he does is ends up making this big deal out of Samuel early in the series and then just kind of writing him out and he kind of only comes back when they need to shake things Mm -hmm. up a bit, which is very much how Robert Jordan's own Gollum, a.k.a. Padden Padden Fane, got treated. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a more accurate beginning, but Mm -hmm. then he treats him the same way Padden Fane got treated. Three-way Venn diagram. Exactly. Three-circle Venn diagram. That's how I should refer to that. (laughs) (laughs) I... Not because it was dirty, just because I thought it was more clear. <laughs> no, it, it was more clear. It was just also funny. Um, but yeah, so this character exists as a trope mm-hmm. a little bit, right? Absolutely. Um, you can see it in a lot of fantasy. It's, it's kind of a nice take on like an anti-hero that's also a hero at the same time. Depending on what series we're mm-hmm. in, right? Um. Because, like, Smeagol does get what seems to be a redemption arc, right? mm-hmm. He is essential in destroying the ring. I don't think all characters in this role get that. No, probably not. Like, I don't think Samuel... I think Samuel just dies in the end. I think something. so. He gets, he gets nothing. You get nothing! Or Richard kills him. Or Richard kills... Yeah. Something like that. Um, but that's... I've reached the end of my initial thoughts on this without spoiling anything with how yeah, plot lines end fair. too much. Yeah, we can't go too, 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 too far. far. Mm-hmm. But there's other things at the end that we will talk about someday when no spoilers. <laughs> <finish the books. laughs> someday. <laughs> in, in, in a part two of our episode on Pat and Fane. 
Indeed. And Smeagol? Yes. Can we circle back to the hot dogs for a minute (laughs) as a brief break? Yeah, because I have some thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Four is too many. True. So so, um, we're going to circle back to our hot dogs at this point. We're going to discuss those a little further because we've all kind of finished up eating for the time being. Mm -hmm. I'd like to toss it over to you two to start, if you would. Thoughts on the hot dogs. So the only hot dog I completed was my New York hot dog because it was the messiest, so I wanted to get it out of the way. Um, And I ate most of my German one, and I had a few bites of the Chilean one. Mm. The Chilean one's still my favorite. I was going to eat that later, but now I'm full. So I'll eat it later, later. No spell. I took a similar route. I finished all of my German hot dog because I was like, this will be the easiest one to finish. Let's get it done. Get it out of the way. My goal is to finish mine by the end of the episode. Um, And then I realized that I'm going to get full. And so I should maximize the room in my tummy for the hot dogs that I liked the best. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to make sure that I left the hot dogs I liked the best for later so I could not just eat shitty hot dogs later. (laughs) So I ate. So that's a real New York hot dog and a German hot dog. (laughs) So then I ate. I massacred my Chilean hot dog because it was delicious. I think it's my it's my favorite. And then I was starting to work on the New York, and it's almost there. Almost there. The Kansas City though, I don't think I like that one very much. Really? Okay. I think I I don't know. It just doesn't stand out the way the Chilean does (laughs) in everything in comparison to the Chilean. It's just like it's a hot dog. It has mm-hmm. stuff on it. It tastes nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But the Chilean's like, oh my god. Yeah. In a not whatsoever... Sorry. Your I was going to say, we'll, our Weed of Time official recommendation for this evening, our official dog of the day, is the Chilean hot dog. Which again, if you want to try making it yourself, it is a hot dog with sauerkraut. Check our Twitter where we retweeted it. <laughs> Along with all the other hot dogs. Um, sauerkraut, mashed avocado, diced tomato, mayonnaise. Divine. Um, but in a not whatsoever surprising turn of events, I'm going to disagree. <laughs> um, I admit the Chilean hot dog was really cool. Like, it was definitely the most unique. Very cool flavor palette. But I was a really big fan of the Kansas City hot dog. Interesting. I thought it was just like, I know it was like creamy and rich, but it also had that little bit of sourness Mm -hmm. and it wasn't over full. It was very easy to eat. You know what I mean? That's That's legit. I also think a normal New York hot dog would probably be warmer when I was eating it, which would probably make it nicer. That's legit. (laughs) There was a lot that went into this production and the food suffered slightly as a result. It's that for a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> we suffered. You did not. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to round up on the hot dogs there mm-hmm. before we moved on anywhere. I'm trying I think... to think of anything else about Smeagol, Gollum, and Pat and Fade. Okay, because you've just been staring at me blankly for like 10 minutes. I'm thinking! <laughs> well, I've been trying to figure out what you want over there, and I was like... Mm-hmm. Am I talking too much? Too little? Oh, I don't know. 
No, oh, just no, you're across the table from me, that's all. We're always trying to parse the nonverbal communication <laughs> on this show so we can have yeah. things going behind the scenes mm-hmm. for y'all. Yeah. I but... was gonna... Oh, go ahead. I was gonna add, I think y- y'all would like the Bic sauerkraut a lot more than the Bic sauerkraut more than the brand we got. I actually really like the sauerkraut we got. That's fair. Um, but I would be willing to try mm-hmm. a more on-brand thing that I didn't get from the world food section of a Walmart in yeah. Canada. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we try to be foodies, but we're not made of money, okay? We we, we are, are not. <laughs> we are young millennials. You're lucky we could afford to put this avocado on something other than toast, let me tell you. <laughs> Sorry, that was very funny. I liked it a lot. But what is a hot dog bun but glorified toast in the end? Hi! <laughs> <laughs> what is Smeagol if not... <laughs> Glorified toast in the end. What? Episode title. <laughs> They're gonna be so disappointed. Glorified toast and nefarious bread. Okay, episode title: glorious or glorified toast and nefarious bread. Check our Malazan episode on our Patreon. Okay, but actually, does Malazan have a Smeagol? I forgot what you said. Glorious something. <laughs> Glorified toast. Oh, yeah. Glorified <laughs> toast and nefarious bread. Uh, yeah, it's um, the old Malazan emperor. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I was thinking, right? Kellenved. Yeah, it's Kellenved. Uh, Cotillion and what's his name once he's... No, well, Cotillion is Dancer's name. Yeah, but what's... I oh, tried oh, to remember oh, sorry. his other name. Shadow Throne. He has an actual name, Manus? so it's an A. No. Oh, Aminas. Aminas, yes, there we thank go. you. There's so many names in Malazan. I just oh. gotta shout them out until I get them. Yep. So, but no, he he's this creepy, weird old guy who isn't quite good and isn't quite evil, and he just kind of limps around talking to himself and talking crazy shit nobody understands. He's also a god just a of bit. shadows. Just a little bit. So he's extra creepy. Shadow Throne can be a little bit of a god as a treat. <laughs> Wait, isn't that the entire plot of Malazan Book of the Fallen? <laughs> um, I think it's more so the plot of the prequel trilogy. <laughs> mm. That's legit. Except it's all from Dancer's perspective. Well, it would be horrible from Wu's perspective. That's very true. <laughs> Like that would it would have be... made no sense. None at all. <laughs> That's Shadow Throne. <laughs> Anyways. Mm. This is a Wheel of Time podcast. Allegedly. Not a Malazan <laughs> podcast. We should talk about Wheel of Time shit. So Pat and Fane. Honestly, Pat and Fane reads a lot closer to um, Shadow Throne, I think, than... Somebody he's he's more calculated. Because mm-hmm. Smeagol was never, like, smart about the shit he was doing. It was just instinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Pat and Fane did some smart things, like trying to join the White Cloaks to manipulate them into t- attacking the Two Rivers to bait Rand into coming so he could kill Rand. That's That requires some planning! Mm-hmm. It, do, it do. Some influencing. That's and it's the... because of the extra powers he, and personality he got in Shadar Logoth. That's, like, more elaborate than any gig anyone tried to pull in any Oceans movie ever. Yes. <laughs> like, damn. Convoluted. 
I hate that it resulted in parents' entire family dying. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Don't like it. Yeah, Don't not, not to excuse any of that, I guess. <laughs> we said he was intelligent. We didn't say he was nice. That's very true. And like there Lots were of intelligent people that aren't nice. See most of the Forsaken. Yeah. And there were other reasons why Perrin's entire family was killed, and not just primarily Patton Fane's influence. Well, it it was actually exclusively Pat and Fane. No, wasn't it? No, he was try- He was with the White Cloaks. You know this information. You've just forgotten it, so I'll remind you. <laughs> he was with the White Cloaks as part of them, hmm. and he went to the Abara farm with the contingency there and was trying to tell them the parent was a dark friend, and they were like, no. <laughs> and so he killed them all. No. It was not Trollocs. It was Pat and Fane with a, his... Bunch of dirty ass greasy white cloaks. See, I thought that they had also come because Bornhald or oh, they had come to the Two Rivers partially because of that. But Patton Fane was the one that killed his family, and then Bornhald covered up for Patton Fane in an event that completely didn't need to happen. He just slaughtered the Avara family. Okay, but how like... does that feel like in comparison to the setup Smeagol does with? Um, Shelob. Shelob. I was. I could only get Angolia into my head. I'm like, that's not wrong. Spider. Wrong spider. No, that's that's pretty good actually. Working with. Mm-hmm. Other Oste- evil. Oh, the spooder. Osten. Yeah. Working yeah. with other evil, but ostensibly neutral, or not outwardly mm-hmm. evil. Like, because yeah. Shelob's not on the bad side, and the White Cloaks aren't on paper on the bad side. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They just do a lot of things that incidentally help the bad guys. Yep. Um, which In I would some say... In cases, they eat the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not the white cloaks. But it's funny to pretend. I'm just imagining Pedro and Niall just like spinning a web and catching Forsaken in it. <laughs> getting them all no, cocooned No, no, baby. Catching Ice and I. Both. Sometimes he's got to catch orcs too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pedro Nile eats Trollocs. Some I said I are indeed <laughs> black sisters. Allegedly. Black Asha, that's it. No evidence. Fake news. What the fuck are you looking at me for? You <laughs> <laughs> kept looking like you were going to say something. Trust your own knowledge. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. Oh. I just was looking because I had said something. I had said something. It made sense. To I was chewing. <laughs> Name of the episode. I, I, feel, I was chewing. I feel like I keep coming back to this. Allegedly. <laughs> trying to think of more Pat and Fane parallels. Oh, I had something earlier. I don't know if Rand necessarily in this case would play the role of Frodo all of the time. No. Rand Rand would not be comparable to Frodo just in terms of how they act. I think in a lot of ways, Rand would maybe be more comparable to late-stage Boromir. Oh, you hurt Nospo's feelings just now. Nospo, who were you thinking as a Frodo, then? I was kind of thinking in The Great Hunt. Mm-hmm. No, not in The Great Hunt. When they're in Tyr, and Nine, or not Nynaeve, Egwene is talking to Padden Fane in the jail cell a little bit. That's oh, not that's in the in Stone Shire. of Tyr. That's in Faldara. <laughs> Yeah, Feldara at the beginning of the Great Hunt. Before they go to the White Tower. It's after they've done the Eye of the World. They're still in the Borderlands. 
This is why you need to read faster. I'm sorry. <laughs> this this is um. That's right before he escapes the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Faldar at the beginning of the Great Hunt. But what are you thinking of then? I was thinking of Egwene. Being Frodo there? Yeah. I suppose. I suppose since we really have like five main characters, mm-hmm. it would make sense that the Frodo role gets kind of mm-hmm. pushed across all of them. Because right? she still is willing to see the good in him and is willing to talk to him as a human being that was worthy of respect. She take a she takes a Baggins stance on uh, the issue of Smeagol, right? She, she almost dies for it, dumb bitch. <laughs> I love the Gwen, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but like that was one of her dumb bitch moments. We've all had them. But that's also pretty in line with being a Baggins because <laughs> dumb bitches. Bilbo and Frodo <laughs> are both dumb bitches that give Smeagol too many chances and they almost die for it. Both of them. Yes. Like, Frodo on several occasions. Frodo so on I was, several occasions. I was say, Frodo more often than Bilbo. And so, it, yeah, I, th- I think any of the Emmons Field Five at any given time are acting as Frodo. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rand, I would argue, for the vast majority of the early series, is a pretty clean Frodo. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, with with some scenes that are pairing a little bit. Takes on some of the Frodo, I think. Yeah, after, like, he meets Whereas Fyre Matt is him. always, like, a Mary Pippin kind of deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Does the Jager kind of act like a pseudo ring for a while, then, in lieu of Rand? Because he's hunting down the, uh, the dagger. Yeah. Probably, then, yeah. That's mm-hmm. funny. I wonder if that was intentional. Like, here, we'll go make him chase an inanimate object. Although, then again... Does he not just want the dagger so he can kill Rand? Fair enough. He wants the dagger because it comes out of Shatter Logoth, so it makes him more powerful. So he um, can kill Rand? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and he's cursed with whatever magic. He also just wants power. Because, yeah. like, the latest personality is very power hungry. Very true. <laughs> the latest personality. <laughs> Me waking up on another morning on, in quarantine. <laughs> That's a fucking mood. Yeah. Although this is coming out in September. Maybe I'm going to be at work. Fingers fucking crossed that it's... Oh, God. I don't want to think about all the way in then. Yeah. We're living in the here and the now. Yeah. One day at a time. One day at a time. New personality of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's check the label about schizophrenia on the weed bottle again. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was not funny. <laughs> shame, shame. <laughs> On no way. smoke. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, on that sober <laughs> note. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yikes, sir! <laughs> <laughs> like, jeez. Okay, we have to say something at least funny before. Oh, oh, oh! I got this. Yes. You can draw a lot of literary parallels between Lord of the Rings and most of fantasy that has come after it, including but not limited to the Wheel of Time. Yes. I think the reason we have such a hard time drawing parallels between the Wheel of Time and things like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, as we've had a maybe easy time doing with others, Mm -hmm. 
Because the Wheel of Time is actually pretty unique and decent. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Part of the reason we did the Star Wars episode was exclusively so we could roast Christopher Paley (laughs) by how little there was in the episode. We fucking hate Christopher Paley. Plagiarist asshole. And and, and we... we... I hope you listen to this, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) But Robert Jordan, for all the times we criticize him. It's a pretty good shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. We stand. And we Patton stand. Fane was among the weirdest of it. <laughs> yes. But I like I loved the whole thing where he was attacked by the black wind and they said yikes. Yeah, he scared <laughs> the black wind. <laughs> I caught it. <laughs> Especially when black wind is one of the scariest things you see for how many okay. years. Okay. It's still one of the scarier things in the books, I'm not gonna lie. I need you to think about it. I need you both to picture this. The dog has seen something in the yard. She is going to get the thing in the yard. She's going to eat it. She's going to kill it dead. And then she picks it up and she goes disgusting the second she touches it and just lets it go. That is the black wind on Patton Fane. <laughs> How rancid do you have to be for the black wind to go? Yuck. Patton Fane was so stanky that the Black Wind started practicing catch and release. <laughs> I mean, I have questioned on several occasions in my mind when the last time Patton Fane bathed, so. <laughs> uh, we have no canon verifications that Patton Fane ever bathes. Everyone else? Robert Jordan makes it clear that they too bathe. Especially the women. <laughs> they bathe a lot. I wonder if that's because of other reasons. Join us for our gender <laughs> episode that we record as soon as Nosebow finishes the series. Oh no. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh no, what has he done now? <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Weed of Time podcast, and we hope you tune in again soon. Please let us know any of your thoughts on today's episode on Twitter or Discord at the Weed of Time, and check out our Patreon for cool bonuses like our ranting and raving side series where we go off about things. And, talk, <laughs> and give further details on how we iced each other. True. If you have a second to rate and review our podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. And until next time, remember that the weed weaves as the weed wills. Bye. So, five hundred years ago, when I was born, I crawled from the womb.